Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy, Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter, and welcome to Spinning Plates the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, podcasts. It's me. How are you? I'm sat here with Jesse. Do you want to say hi, Jesse? Hi. Um, do you know what I'm doing? No. I'm recording the introduction to my podcast. <laughs> um, do you know what I do a podcast about? No. No. You're not really the demographic. It's basically um, other other working mums, and this week I spoke to Laura Brand who released a book after she had our first of her two little girls called The Joy Journal, which is all kind of lovely ideas of simple things you can do with your small people to keep them entertained, keep you feeling the right side of things. I guess it's a little bit of mindfulness, a bit of crafting, a bit of play, a bit of imagination, a bit of, uh, you know, ideas for creativity but also it got me thinking a lot about joy and the importance of that because I think about that word a lot and especially over the last 16 months it's a word I've used tons and tons because joy is something that sort of elevates you um, in quite a light-hearted, resonant way. It's not quite the same as happiness, I don't think, joy. It's a slightly more, got a little bit more lightness of touch really and for me joy has been the Thing I have always sought out, even if it's in a very small form, just to give my brain a place to go. So for me, joy might be 
I don't know, the reaction I get when I stare at the sequins as they catch the light or playing on the trampoline for a minute or making something or dancing a certain way to a song I love or doing my Lego or deciding that actually tonight's going to be cocktail night because why not? Or speaking to a friend or hearing some good news. What do you think brings you joy, Jessie? What makes you feel like that? Feel joyful? Can you think... Fun, yeah, exactly. Fun's joyful, I agree with that. Did you just break Mickey's bed? Don't worry, it's propped up with books anyway. That's the sort of thing. Actually, Jessie and I did something today that brought us a bit of joy. We spent ages making something, didn't we, Jess? We made... There's a game online called Friday Night Funkin'. And it's basically a bit like a dance mat type no, game. No, you know, it's like dance like microphone I know it's a microphone game, but if people haven't seen it, Jessie, it's got um, arrows that go across the screen and you have to hit your keyboard at the same time as the button the arrows go and it makes the singer your singer in who's having a rap battle sing a note and jesse wanted to create a sort of 3d version of this so we've made a tiny little stage with tiny little characters and that brought us some joy didn't it jess we yeah. enjoyed that um anywho um i should probably say i didn't have laura for very long which was a bit frustrating because i love longer chats she was very lovely, but it turns out she's got... Hold on, sweet pea. Oh, that looks nice, little scarf. Um, Jessie just made a scarf out of my dressing gown called... Actually, you know what? You've put that around your neck a few too many times. I don't really like that. Thank you. Don't be careful what your neck. What uh, I'll tell you after I've finished this. Um, but, yeah, it turns out she's got loads of animals and one of them went very well. Uh, anyway, probably didn't need to know that, did you? Okay, cool. I'll see you on the other side. Bye-bye. It's quite funny, actually, because when I was... Um, before I always speak to, you know, people for the podcast, I always look look up stuff and, you know, try and get more of an overview than what I knew before. Yeah. And I'm sure you know this already, but there's your name with all the lovely Joy Journal, and then the other Laura Brand speaks to serial killers. Oh, my God. <laughs> Do you know this? No, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, so it literally goes from sort of... Uh, making is... your own soap to talking to people on death row. <laughs> oh my <And> like, God. <laughs> it's quite a it's quite a satisfying contrast. Wow, I think I'm gonna be Googling I think I'm gonna be Googling my own name later, which I said not to do, but I must say like uh, that's probably why I didn't know. Has she got a podcast on serial killers? Because if that or is it No um, no podcast. No. no, but she does that's what she does. She goes and interviews people and talks to people on death oh row and, and yeah, God. serial killers is <laughs> So it's not quite <laughs> that is crazy. Do you know what? It's like that that could be I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't say no to exploring that avenue if it, if it had to if I had to fill her boots for a minute, but it's definitely different from <laughs> from squishy soap and um ladybirds. I know it's brilliant. Um <laughs> uh, like we're clicking through on articles. Oh, no, definitely that's not that. Oh, that's not her. No. No, not that one. But, oh, God, um, that's funny. I know, it was really making me giggle. But actually, um, yeah, your your book, The Joy Journal, is something I've I've been using anyway. I think it's it's so lovely. And one there's a few things I really like about it. One thing is the the realistic time frames you give how long kids are generally engaged with what they're up to. Because I think sometimes with those things, they can say, Oh, your kids will enjoy playing with, I don't know, making bubble pictures for hours. Yeah. And actually 15 minutes is probably more like it. Yes, yes. Or <laughs> um, two. Yes. Um, but also I think the really crucial thing is that it's all about managing your expectation of what it is that you're going to be doing and the outcome that will happen. So if you think, oh, we'll have this idyllic 
I don't know, morning playing in the garden, doing one thing, and it turns into something else, just sort of going with the flow, really. Totally. I mean, like, one of the things um, I think that probably we all in motherhood have to deal with well, maybe we don't. I think I'm sometimes only just learning now about the um, expectation versus reality. And so I did explore that a little bit with doing the crafts. So when I wrote the book, I had a two-year-old and a newborn baby. So Mabel's my oldest. She's now four and a half and Peggy's um, just three. And um, it was all, I just... I was just like winging it all and doing it. it took so long to do because it really depended on their mood. Like, mm. oh, I set, I would set up a craft or an activity to do. And I had the, it's not pressure because I have a wonderful, very unpressurizing publisher, but it was very much like, oh, I, I have to get this one done because this is, I want this to go in the book. Mm-hmm. And then Mabel would have a completely different idea. And, and in the book I write in one particular example was that we did a family clay activity, air dry clay, and my husband and I sat down really excited to sort of get into doing little pinch pots and pressing flowers into the making patterns. And our daughter just picked up the clay and just chucked it against the wall. <laughs> and we were in a rental house at the time. And I was like picking clay off the rental house wall. And I was like, oh, no, this is a disaster. We tried again the next day. And we ended up doing a slightly different craft. And that was the craft that ended up in the book. But I put the whole story in because... I think it's really things just we have to accept that that the kids are in a flow state so mm-hmm. and they're very present so if something changes in an instant it can be just like they hear something or the weather changes and they're off doing another thing yeah and I do think that the acceptance of that's quite hard because we've all been living our lives a slightly different way we're probably quite creatures of well we've been probably we're maybe through our own experiences in school and things like that we've kind of uh we're willing to see tasks out probably in some cases beyond the point that we should so like yeah. maybe if we learned I, I sort of try to take their example followed by their example sometimes by just going with whatever it is is the next thing that's coming up and yeah you know so yeah it, it's an interesting one kind of um but I wanted to include time frames because I felt like it's basically what all parents want to know about anyway well how long is it going to take me yeah. what's the mess going to be like <laughs> am I going to enjoy it because if I'm not going to enjoy it and if it's going to be stressful and messy and long I'm not going to do it basically yeah, yeah it's very true and I mean it's, it's that's very very little bubbers to have when you're writing a book um yes. do you how do you look back on that time in your life when you had I mean obviously they're still very little but particularly having that newborn and a toddler I mean, I don't know really, Sophie. It was sort of such a blur because we were also traveling. So we were in, for half that time. We we're actually in um, America, and oh, wow. I didn't so it that. was yeah. So I think I wrote half that book actually in yeah in Los Angeles, and like we, it was all very um, new for me, kind of writing it and, and sending bits to my um, you know to my publisher, and sort of also the feelings of it was the first thing I had ever done that was almost like a baby, but like a book baby, if you will. (laughs) And I was very worried about how it would be received, very worried about every time I sent a chapter off, I was like, you know. So I I learned a lot about myself through writing it. And also um, it was sort of, yes, there was a lot of juggling and it stopped and started a lot and it took me quite a long time. So, I mean, it was just, it was, I, I was glad 
when it, I mean, when it came out, I must say, I, I obviously wrote it. I never intended for it to be brought out in a time when everyone suddenly was in their homes. It was like I, the release date was April the 16th. And as it, as it, and I handed it in obviously six months or maybe before, maybe six months um, before that I I had seen the first copy or, and then I sent it back. So when it was like suddenly COVID happened and lockdown, I was like, I'm, whoa, I can't, I I don't even know. Should I even be, it seems somehow opportunistic or it seems like, (laughs) but it was always my intention for this to be for people to do at home when they were bored and with their kids and how to find new bonding experiences. Yeah, that's so funny. I suppose I didn't really think about it because I think I became aware of it as the first lockdown was sort of progressing. So I didn't, Mm. I don't think I realised that it would have, yeah, conception would have been so much earlier really because suddenly the focus from lots of different areas was about, okay, we're all here and we're doing this now. Right, how do we make this feel like we're actually getting through it and not not going crazy? Mm. Um, Well, not going too crazy. No. (laughs) (laughs) And, And how, I suppose it's, I wonder, I mean, you said yourself, not pressure from your publisher, but just a sort of internal pressure. But if you're doing something that's very focused on joy, mm. there's lots of aspects about certainly new motherhood where, I don't know about you, but I don't necessarily always, didn't always feel like I was completely mm. riding that wave. Um, yeah. Does it come with its own pressure sometimes oh, if gosh. that's what you're writing about? <laughs> yes, yes, it really does. And like, to be honest with you, um, partly I felt like it had become a slight mantra to keep me on track because I would fall off off the joy path often you know like um my my intention my intention when writing it was to write a book that was like sort of a bit traditional a bit like the stuff we would we used to do a little bit stuff that maybe we do with our mums or our grandparents but also trying to find something within ourselves that would spark so in the moment of like easy play-doh there, there's a bit of playfulness between the two of us and it's not just um goal-based so it's not just like oh can you do this thing do this thing do this thing to my child you know it's yeah. not trying it's not um on the end result it's on the process more than anything and if I wasn't in the right mood I would be so caught up in just the urgency of doing it and just wanting to and actually only in letting go, which is really hard of any end point, only in letting and being present is the moment really is the truth, truly truthful moments of joy. And, and actually it can happen to us. I mean, I think that it's a funny thing, isn't it? Joy, there's a difference between joy and happiness in that happiness is meant to, you know, be quite kind of an instant thing and quite kind of sparky and, joy is meant to is more comforting all round feeling of sort of hmm like a joy joyful feeling and so um and and actually I do try to keep joy in in my as a sort of an uh, as a sort of daily mantra almost because I think it is so hard when you're feeling tired or stressed or when you've got a lot going on and Actually, the title of your podcast and I believe your autobiography, Spinning Plates, is the perfect. I think joy can be lost a lot when you've got so many different things going on that you you just want to cross things off. You want to just go, right, okay, you're fed. The dogs are fed. You guys are happy. Okay, I'm going to quickly run and do this or I'm going to write a book because I know you've been writing a book as well and, and you've got five children and I just can't, I mean, you, you, I don't know, you should be offering advice to the many because I, I honestly... 
can't believe I can't the uh, I myself am also writing a, another book at the moment and I I saw on your Instagram you posted a picture of yourself writing from your bed and then you'd said part of it was written at your kid's um, chair in yeah. his room. And <laughs> I feel like the same. I feel like I've written, I've been writing this book in the last few months and I've been doing it in the weirdest places and positions <laughs> with the weirdest sort of conditions around me. And, you know, you can sort of get into a rhythm with it and joy can be found in there. But Definitely. It, it, it's certainly, it's a nice... Um, affirmation for yourself to seek joy like a nice idea you know Definitely. could you on this walk where we're all stressed because it's raining and we're all a bit grumpy and we all want to be home really drinking tea and watching tv is there anything in this moment when we're you know is there any joy for us to seek and you know that that kind of example happens a lot we're often on a walk and it rains and the kids start crying and we all want to be at home and actually you can sort of have you have to you have to just re um, channel your mindset and I think that is quite hard and I think you need I think we people need support in that I think you need other people's encouragement and I think you need some things for yourself in there you know yeah yeah I also think there's maybe I, I totally agree with your description of what joy is about and that warm hug of it and I think I think we've maybe got a little bit better at um giving joy a proper space actually because it's a word I use a lot because um it's it's almost like the tonic that kind of makes yes. like all the little all those joints keeps them oiled mm, really. That's amazing, um, yeah. And I think I think finding it out in in little little drips and drabs to me that's like the difference between feeling calibrated and not. Yes, <laughs> even totally. if it's a text from a friend, you know, something on the wall that you just like to look at. Mm. Um, five minutes doing something that just gives you that little headspace. All that stuff is sort of quite a. There's something quite sort of wholesome and simple about it, but it's kind yeah. of been elevated recently because I think we've all realised that actually those casual things, mm. they, they count for quite a lot, particularly when, I think that was the thing I struggled with the most at the beginning of lockdown actually, was that a lot of casual stuff was taken away. You know, just mm-hmm. popping out to go and get a coffee, like even the yeah. walk to, to and from the coffee place, that was part of that. You yeah. know, if one of my small people came with me, well, so much the better. But it was yeah. all tiny little little moments really and trying yeah. to find those bits again has been really crucial what's your new book about so it's another it's in the world of the joy journal but this time it's for grown-ups ah, <laughs> so cool. this one is this one is um of the same nature in terms of crafting and um making um but I decided to write this one for adults so it is it's been to be honest I don't know if I'm a worse sort of guinea pig than my children because it's me and my friends doing these things or like on zoom or whatever and um but I really hope like I've not you know I'm not there yet with finishing it and it's it can be I pick I you know I really love doing it and actually like I I do actually incidentally get a lot of joy from writing it Um, but um but again it's some trial and error and you have to go through a lot of crafts and experiments and work out which ones are going to be included and which ones were a complete disaster and you should never look at again (laughs) um so there's quite a lot to it but um I really hope I really want it to be something that I think what's actually what happened um the inspiration I always sort of intended to write one at some point but I didn't really know when and then when um a lot of the parents were writing me lovely messages maybe on Instagram whatever saying oh my kids really enjoyed squish squishy soap but weirdly I think I enjoyed it more than them even you know like it made me go into a playful it, it made me um 
go into a sort of playful mindset for the first time in ages. And actually, um, that was the, that was the thing I wanted to, um, sort of hone in on, you know, I wanted to go like, right. Okay. So parents were sort of enjoying some of these things. I enjoy some of these things. Is there a way of making it an accessible, is there, is it, I wanted to do like a a craft, but that's sort of accessible and inviting for people, even if you aren't really an arty crafty person. So it's got a real variety of stuff and, and um, yeah, I'm excited. I I bet, you know, I've just got to finish it first. (laughs) And there's all this, this creativity and this sort of seeking out of these things. Is there something that's been part of your life all, all the way? Um, actually, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I was always very arty at sort of school and I actually found, uh, I found it hard to concentrate in class and I found lessons quite hard, but I did enjoy school on the whole and I had some great friends and I liked my teachers and it was all good. But at the end of the day, I was most excited about doing sketchbook stuff in the art room with my friends and listening to the radio. You know, that was the sort of ultimate thing. And and, and actually, I lost sight of that in my, twen- in my early 20s. And I didn't, there, there might have been, the, oh yeah, so even when I had sort of jobs, I, I did various jobs, like a personal assistant, and I worked in hospitality, and I was a nanny for a bit. And I, one thing I did continue to do was I did the window decorations of a shop in London. So painted the, and a kid's amazing kid's shop actually in Pimlico. And I used to do the, I used to paint the decorative displays for different seasons. So Halloween or Easter. And that really, that was probably the only kind of creative thing I was doing. And it was once in a while, but I loved it. And I would be like, oh, I'd mark it out in the diary and it'd be like, I'm doing that. It felt so good. It maybe do like a one day, one day, you know, outside the shop, I'd get to chat to people doing a little bit of arty stuff. And I really enjoyed that. Whatever job I was doing, whether it was more admin based or not, I've always, always found a relaxation in creative, creative um, activities, you yeah. know, and crafting. And, um, and again, even when I, um, uh, but then I, and then it wasn't until I actually was pregnant with Mabel that I got into doing creative stuff again after a few years of not, you know, when you're in hospitality, you are only in hospitality, you know, you're doing stock checks and you're managing a restaurant or a club. It was a restaurant club actually. And, um, it was just all consuming. So I didn't, there was no space for anything else. And then when I was pregnant, I really took that as downtime. And in the downtime, that's when I started going like, Oh, I want to do something creative again. And, I started customizing dungarees, painters overalls, and it ended up becoming quite a big, quite a big business that I actually couldn't keep up with. And I, um, they were sort of um, painters overalls with pockets and I would customize them. So dye them to specification and customize with names or whatever. And, um, the first person I ever gave a pair to was my best friend, Fern Cotton. So she received a pair for her birthday with paintbrushes in the pouch. <laughs> Bright, I think hers were pink with fern written on them, stitched in, embroidered, and then paintbrushes. And she, you know, she she wore them, and someone saw them, and then that was it. And then everyone else wanted a pair, but I couldn't keep up with that. I was doing that until I was pregnant with my second daughter. So that was also alongside <laughs> writing that first book. But I just um, so yeah, that was another little creative uh, creative outlet yeah so did you think you were going to go back to hospitality when you were having your first baby or did yeah, you not- I didn't I didn't know no. what I was gonna I it was absolutely adamant part of me yeah I suppose part of me was like always interested in sort of 
I think that social aspect of being in a work environment that was sociable always appealed to me. Mm. Um, and it still does now. So when I've done workshops with ki- like kids Play-Doh or if it was at Happy Place Festival or Port Elliot Festival, um, I really enjoyed the, the fusion of social socialising and be, um, hosting. Like So doing the craft and then meeting the parents and sort of that, that sort of appealed to me, sometimes actually more than actual socialising, <laughs> basically. Like, I don't know if you, I don't know if you, maybe you're in a different mindset, but like when you're sort of doing an action, if you're teaching or if you're, in your case, maybe performing, mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an element of that social aspect that you enjoy or whether it's very much compartmentalised your performance and your social... Oh, no, s- no, social. It's, it's totally dependent on the... Yeah. yeah, the whole thing's very social. It's really yeah. interactive, yeah. And I think, I've actually always thought of gigs as a bit like a date, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so you've got like the first five to ten minutes where you're kind of getting the measure really yeah like um are they very easy to please <laughs> are oh, they a bit gosh, more serious are they noisy are they quiet are they tentative are they boisterous and then yeah. from there like my job is just to turn it into a kind of date where they would want to come and see me again basically oh yeah that is that is a really I get the second date that's what I'm aiming for that is amazing I love that I've never heard of it described like that but I can imagine that's really really amazing yeah well it's all chemistry um, you need the chemistry of the interaction and um and actually I think ultimately what you're saying about you know working with people and doing the workshops it resonates with me because I think the heart of it is being quite a people person really and I enjoy feeding off the, the energy of whatever you get back from people when you're doing things with them, like performing or or anything. Actually, I just I yeah, it's quite like being in in amongst groups and figuring stuff Absolutely. out that way. It's fun. Yeah, it is. And actually, one thing that um, it, one thing that interests me is coming together in, in as adults coming together to do something that's. Uh, in fact, I'm sort of writing about this specifically: gathering in community to do a craft or an act or something that. So you can have quite a laugh with that because in a group, you're not all going to be good at the same thing. You're not going to all want to do the same thing. But mm. if you try it, that I think that there can be a lot of like fun and joy in, in, found in trying something new. And if you do it in a group where you're all going into it as complete beginners, it is quite funny and, and it's quite, um, quite actually quite like lifting for everybody because mm. um, so I really, yeah, so... Uh, uh, yeah community and that social aspect and for me in that case craft for you for performance yeah I think you you, we can get some a lot from that when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at bluenile.com you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online choose your diamond and setting when you found the one you'll get it delivered right to your door Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Do you think when you were 
Because if craft is, it sounds like it's something that you've always really loved doing and sort of always seeked it out, but maybe it wasn't necessarily given such centre stage in your life up to now. Do you think that's because sometimes our view of those things um, has not always been given as much space in it? As, like, it's just like socially we've sort of ch- shifted our view of the value of those things, I think. Totally. I think it's a form... I think what, I, what I've what i discovered, actually, is that it's part of my self-care. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's actually I get... And I've been exploring that... Um, relaxation well what it does the mindfulness and relaxation that it brings for people so there's a lot of like there's a lot of research in working with your hands and what it how it affects the brain positively so I think they use a lot of things like knitting circles embroidery groups um in uh, mental health um mm awareness group so people with mental health um issues and things like that they'll, they'll bring a craft where you work with your hands in order to uh become almost an, an exercise for finding calm and relaxation yeah. and i i find that myself and so yeah i i've brought it into my own life as a form of uh well of, of my of looking after myself in a way yeah. Um, yeah and is it something you do as a family is the sort of <laughs> yes it is so we do like although we have a completely different idea of what like we're all we're all like, I don't mind getting messy and doing messy stuff my husband does not like that sort of aspect of it so <laughs> there was one ex, um in the book there was um the, uh an activity called moon sand which was that sand that you can mold there's another name yeah, yeah. For when you, I know that you can, stuff yeah so moldable I sand like basically I like it too and I like playing with it and squishing it yeah, yeah. And it's really whatever. therapeutic exactly so <laughs> but we we made it and my kids had spread it all over the kitchen and my husband was just like freaking out like not not because of the mess but because of that he, he was just like oh the sort of the sandy aspects he was like clenching his teeth and I was just like (laughs) nobody likes sand no no one likes sand really exactly (laughs) lucky that because when none of us are going on holidays no I know it's fine um uh we'll be uh we'll be seeking our own we'll be seeking Uh our own at home holidays yeah um so yeah it's the the sort of he, he didn't like that so when we when we come together as craft often it is pushing each other into an area we're not so comfortable with so um but one thing we do together and both enjoy it mutually is clay stuff so we like to do mm. air dry clay date nights for example um you know and we make presents for friends and we do stuff together like that and then with the kids it's um the most stuff we do together is mostly outdoors in nature so we'll do um we do a lot of map um we we draw a lot of maps out so our kids really love a map and a treasure hunt and I'm not talking about treasure hunt where we actually buy treasure more like a scavenger hunt where we're looking for a particular thing on a walk and we um we do a little map of maybe the walk we're going to go on and um you know or even if it's around the house on a rainy day we've done things like that even if it's just in the kitchen or you know we'll scavenger hunts uh, and that sort of activity which is a little bit of movement a little bit of play they're the sort of activities we tend to do as a family and it and it always brings us out of our funks if we're in a bit if one of us is feeling a bit stuck and a bit moody and a bit sulky or wants to just hang out and do nothing usually something like that brings a little bit of uh, a little bit of energy so yeah movementy things and always getting outside always helps us as a yeah, family yeah I suppose it's good to know those tricks especially when you've got a young family because getting it out and about is well kids love it anyway actually even when they say they don't want to they always get totally lost in it when they're out and about which they I really, really love. do and actually yeah. we, we all do actually I kind of I surprised myself really because I never thought of myself as particularly outdoorsy but when we all 
go out. I can we can stay out for hours and hours, and the kids all invent this whole imagine you oh. know imaginary world in their heads. But I did actually want that's I, amazing. Is it right that you and your husband you dated years ago and then got back together? Yes. Right? So yes, that's right. I always think so, that's really romantic. Yeah. So we dated like um, fifteen uh, fifteen years ago, um, and then. Uh, maybe maybe more my gosh I can't remember exactly 15 years ago we were saying the other day but um and then we went our own ways lived our own lives for a bit and then incidentally we um so I I have told this story before but I was coming out of a relationship with somebody we lived together and we've been together for quite a while and the day that that uh, my ex-boyfriend um we left the hat like he left where we were living I was feeling not so good and a little bit heartbroken and um my friend who lives in east london said to me uh, you need to come out for a walk like you, you can't stay in and i was crying and you know oh god you know this is not not what i ex- well i did expect it but you know you know, you know what i mean heartbreak basically yes. and my friend said let's let's go out and she said meet me on the top of the uh, canal in east london just off the top in shoreditch meet me on the top out off the bus or whatever so I got off the bus and met her we came down the stairs and I hadn't seen Russell for years and he was on the he was at the bottom of the stairs like just uh, under the bridge like uh, about you know a few meters away and I didn't do anything (laughs) I said oh my god this is weird like to my (laughs) friend and my friend and I started crying and my friend was like I'm not sure today's the day to (laughs) go and see him and I was like I think I have to. And I remember going like this. I sort of went, Russell. And she was, and he didn't hear because he was like too far ahead. And my friend right went, no, okay, grab a hold of yourself. Right, this is not, <laughs> this is not, it's not for today. And I was like, okay, fine. But I did sort of send a message and say like, I just saw, I think I just saw you. And like, so weird because I'm going through this thing and of all the people to bump into or at least see yeah. on, a, on, a, on a part of the canal that I've never been on in my life, it would be you. It's crazy. Yeah. A- and that was the sort of, you know, and it wasn't like suddenly then we met up or anything. We sort of just chatted for a bit. And, you know, it's years and years have gone past. You've got so much to talk about. And yeah, yeah. you're a different person you know I was in my I was like 19 when we met and uh, you know you've really formed into a completely different person through your 20s and definitely um, but it was a very sort of happy meeting well uh, you know it's it's amazing really well, it's wonderful sounds, yeah well I mean it changes everything doesn't it and I think there's so much serendipity in that and you know, funny enough you're not the first person I've spoken to where they've gone out and then had a bit where they've both lived their lives and then got back together yeah. but I think it's I always find it quite interesting that I did because, you know, saying you go through this, you know, you change so much in your 20s. So if you went back to the 15 years ago, mm. do you think the idea that then now that's who you, you know, your family and it's so defining for both of you? Gosh, do you know what? Part of me, I think like part of the sort of like I, you know, not to sound really soppy, but I really, really loved him. So like I really I think would have just said like let's have a family at the time I would have been ill prepared Sophie let me tell you because <laughs> family I don't think I would have been ready for a family in my early 20s but I um I really like really loved him so it was sort of like I think I always had an idea like in my mind and then of course when you are not together anymore and you have your own lives that are very different then you know you just get over it so then to sort of come back to a situation where it's like my good we we really literally had that chat where we were like 
wow okay well I never thought I'd be sitting opposite you again talking mm-hmm. the way I'm talking you know like this is what I've been doing I've been doing this and this and you've been doing that and that and da, da, da. and we just talked and talked for like over the course of weeks and then months and just chatting and hanging out and just getting to know each other again because then you and then it just became so apparent that you know we really feel like soulmates so yeah. it's just you know it's just like oh wow you know that that feeling of just knowing each other so much that, you know, um, it feels like a homely home. Yeah. And that felt like it, that felt like it, you know, for us. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can, no, I can hear that. And actually, funny enough, I saw a clip of Russell being interviewed on, I think, on Loose Women, of all places. Yeah. He had uh, Katie oh, yeah. Price to one side. It's, <laughs> it's not quite incongruous, but yeah. he was talking really lovingly about family life and and how, you know, much it's, you know, completely turned his life around. And I thought whilst a lot of people wouldn't know what it feels like to date someone who's in the public eye, I think there are lots of people who end up with somebody where maybe people think that they know from the outside what that person's like, but actually when when it's you two together and your family life, it's something that's very private and very different. And I was thinking there must be a lot of people that have been on a similar trajectory, actually, and Mm. maybe met up when they were young and then thought, right, this is not going to work now, and then kind of met up later on. as just a lovely, yeah serendipity to the whole thing it really is and that serendipity so like in itself is a very beautiful word isn't it I like that word I've always liked it and sort of like the idea of it is like um it is sort of romantic and beautiful and it's seeing beauty in the uh, uh unexpected but also um the the um how the paths can cross in such a beautiful it's a magic it's a magical moment that It's a magical moment. And and so, like, crossing paths is something like that. You yeah, know? definitely. Um, so, yeah, it's, I, I imagine there are lots of people, like you say, that have that. And, and I'm really glad that we've uh, lived our own lives as well, by the way. It's so nice that we've had these different sort of lives and that we were able to come together and have a family and feel like we've experienced what we were meant to or potentially, yeah. you know, what we were meant to experience for ourselves. Yeah, um, definitely. In a way. And it's also a good lesson for for your daughters as well because I think it all sort of taps into kind of the ideas of the the joy you were talking about before and being able to just check in with yourself Mm. that as they grow up they'll have this great example in their own parents of you know how the threads can cross and then cross back again yeah it's like a lovely story for them so yeah you know that when because there'll be one day where they might really fall for someone and then Mm. it ends up not working out and then you'll be like well you know if it's meant to be it'll be yeah exactly (laughs) then we can tell our story exactly yeah oh gosh gosh yeah um yeah yeah and when when you think ahead I mean I suppose when you're so, because a lot of the things we've been talking about, about the stuff that you've been doing home and crafting and stuff, is that something you can sort of sometimes see into the future? Because your little girls, they're very close together in age, aren't they? Yeah, 18 months. That's a tiny, tiny gap. Can you remember that? that bit I mean so it during that time that's when you were doing all the embroidery and <laughs> yeah I mean sewing I, I will tell you this um I when I was pregnant with I had suffered terribly with um hyperemesis with both children so I was sick basically so that's the very severe yeah so I ended up in hospital with both pregnancies oh, no, I didn't realize that. yes horrendous oh, like yeah and it can be quite it's unless you uh, like it's funny because it's just not even morning sickness it's just so much more than that and I really really when when someone tells me that they're suffering with morning sickness I'm really 
already really sympathetic and then when I understand that it might be more serious like hyperemesis and it's just a constant constant sickness where they can't function I can't I can't tell you how much I want to tell them it's all going to be okay but I really understand how you feel and it feels just dreadful um at the time so yeah I I did have these um you know with it was a shock to the system with Mabel because I didn't know my mum suffered with hyper like uh, extreme sickness and so when it happened to me I just thought oh gosh oh no okay I've heard about this this isn't good but it was like you know debilitating and I didn't do much but I did carry on doing the dungarees for a bit um and then um I was we took Mabel on our honeymoon she was 10 months old and we got home and I no maybe it was a couple of weeks after we got home from our honeymoon I sort of smelt perfume and I vomited and I was like oh my god hold on a minute it was oh no it was, maybe it was 11 and a half months like just coming up to her first mm. birthday and I literally was like oh no oh no I know what this means I was like oh, okay blimey. that's like in the like, movies that's like- it really is it really is <laughs> and it's always weirdly for me it was always uh anything like actually any smells at all yeah. but it was funny the first thing it was like maybe someone's aftershave or something and I was like oh no that's it I knew immediately and um I had committed I had already taken on a big job making um uh, doing dungarees for the cast of Mamma Mia. Oh wow! Two Mamma Mia two. So um, yeah, that's my, a lot of dungaree orders. Yeah, right there. <laughs> imagine I was stitching the name Meryl, believe it or not. Oh, wow! And Cher, um, <laughs> if you can believe it. That's fantastic. Um, but I was also being sick at the same time. Not so, so fantastic. I was no, I was literally like I was. I, I remember really not not kind of not being able to completely embrace what that is. Like, I'm a massive ABBA fan. I'm a massive Meryl Streep fan. So when I was um, asked by a friend to make these for the cast, I, I should have, I just was so unwell, I couldn't fully appreciate oh. it. But I did it. I made them all and I dropped them off at the studios. And I believe they, you know, uh, I did manage to give Lily James hers in person. And she put them on and I was very happy with that before I went and ran into the toilet. Oh. But um, so that was the sort of, I decided that should be the last job I did. So I went out with a bang with the dungarees. <laughs> but I um I must say, I uh, yes, I just sort of stopped doing that at the time because then I was just pregnant and I had a baby. I had Mabel, uh, one and a half year old, and I was pregnant, and it was just not what I was expecting. But obviously, I'm thrilled about it because they're really beautiful children and they're really different. But eighteen months apart doesn't seem such a doesn't seem really a big deal now. At the time, I think the bit I was most worried about was having a newborn baby with yeah. Mabel being only sort of approaching two. Yeah. I sort of couldn't believe that that was going to happen. And I was worried, so worried about whether she would be accepting of it and whether it, I had mum guilt over that, over it all, to be honest. I was just, you know, what's this going to be like? And actually I, we couldn't have been luckier with how it went because they're beautiful little girls who yeah. love each other. They well, fight, but they love each other. I feel like in, <laughs> in like in um, sort of bygone eras, it's much more fashionable actually. Like having close together gaps yeah. is really much more the norm. What's your closest gap, Sophie? Three years. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so you've had three years recuperation. <laughs> yeah, that's how but, I've always done it. Like the last, yeah. th- the last four are all three years apart from each other. Like it goes like three years, boom, three years, boom. Which oh. so now my little one, he's two and a half, and I'm like, ah, this is a weird time because normally there'd be another one sort of in the peripheral vision, and I'm yeah. like, 
you know, I think <laughs> five did you, feels like a lot it, now. Well, I'm sure, I mean, to be honest, I just wanted to ask you, actually, if yeah. you have an easy, did you have easy pregnancies? It got easier. The first one was terrible. I had really? my first two uh, quite early. They were both born a couple of months early. Right. Oh, so that, um, that comes with its own yeah, complications and I wasn't very good at it. Yeah, I had something called preeclampsia and I oh, of course. Yeah, puffed yeah. up and... Yeah, but then I got I got sort of better at it, I feel like, maybe. And then towards the end, when I had the like chubby ones, I took straight home. I just loved it. Oh, gosh, how so lovely. Yeah. That is wonderful, yeah. I mean, it is it is sort of, we talk about it a lot, because it is sort of, um, it's it's lovely to be in a family. Uh, you know, yeah. it's, we're lucky to be in a family and have these children. And, um, and you know, yeah, so it, it's, but yes, the, the age gap with the, with me was a shock at first and when I hear you say so three years I was like oh yeah maybe that's the way to do it leave three years because then you're oh no (laughs) I think however the cards fall you just feel like well that's how it was always going to be and I think I probably did it because my mum had my brother and sister three years apart so my head was like three years that sounds good of course yeah 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 (laughs) the first two are five years apart they're quite there's quite a big gap between the top two um, um we inherit quite, so much don't we in that in definitely. that mindset so even with the sickness I sort of knew I was I sort of was like oh yeah my mum's talked about morning sickness morning sickness oh now I've got morning sickness of course I have well of course it is actually it, it, you can actually um inherit a morning I think it is a hereditary thing but um yeah you're right saying that you you were uh you had that was in your family that dynamic so it seemed quite yeah so you tend to go to the things that find feel a bit comforting but yeah you've spoken a lot about expectation and I did wonder are you the sort of mother that you thought you would be gosh um it uh, do you know what I actually cannot remember what I thought I'd be as a mother mm. I don't know if you like I had no um uh, I suppose there are moments where I think oh yeah this so what you're saying the expectation it is like there are moments where I think oh yeah I really got this down I'm managing to do this and I'm not losing my cool that's good not many moments but there are moments <laughs> and um but I suppose I never quite uh, you nothing prepares you for the feeling of being responsible for those precious little people like I think like uh, I just I don't think I imagined the I don't think I imagined that I had that much love in me honestly but I definitely I I hope I have to try and be more relaxed because I can get very I can get kind of fraught around like a loss of control of tidiness for example or a feeling of um the day well my husband and I had this exact conversation the other day we we went we luckily very gratefully I went to a hotel for my birthday with the children and our dog with, so my husband took, took us all to a hotel and I had been calling it a holiday it was one night you know one night and I was like it's a holiday and the kids were going on a holiday you know 24 hours holiday whatever and um of course uh about two hours in my husband and I were saying holidays shouldn't be called holidays they should be called <laughs> challenges do you want to take a challenge yes we want to take a challenge we're ready for a challenge that literally like uh, it you know my expectation was probably my expectations are still not, you know, reality is, ne- it's always different. That You know, it's always different. Every day something happens that I didn't expect or the idea of, in this example, the, the overnight stay somewhere being called a holiday 
it was just a really intense, intense time in a different place than our home. And we, we felt <laughs> really... such a good way for something yeah. family holiday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and to be honest, we felt so kind of grateful that we're able to do it together. And we found somewhere that would accept our big mad dog and that we were able to <laughs> eat food and I didn't have to wash the dishes after. But we were entertaining those children more than we were ever ever entertain them at home it was like full on like military operation yeah we walked from the beach to the hotel it was like maybe a half an hour walk and both kids were having a tantrum my husband carried both of them and it was literally <laughs> sand rocks mud rain sunshine and I was going like yes sir yes sir like we were like walking like kind of like we were on and I said every I said, I bet every parent has this walk where the walk there is good, the walk back is not so good. Oh, boy, so many times. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think the expectation, my expectations are, are, are always, I'm moving, the, I'm moving the goalposts every day. So it's never, never what I expect. Yes, I think that sums up a lot of the family holiday thing. It's like you think, if I was really going to do this properly, I'd have like, loads of people taking care of everything <laughs> community like, yeah exactly yeah exactly Go on holiday and it's like oh golly i've got a, why have i packed so much stuff I've got to wash oh, everything you know yeah. sort everything uh get used yes. to a new home get the kids to try and sleep in a different bed with different yeah. lighting and i haven't brought their <laughs> yeah. audio cds or whatever they're expecting for oh. it's like, oh my god Exhausted. I will be <laughs> we came home we started on our journey it was only a two-hour drive from where we live We'd gone down the road and we were already turning back around to go and get a Spider-Man costume that had been forgotten. Well, to be fair, that is kind of crucial. It is crucial, yeah. (laughs) That was just for you. Yes, that was. <laughs> oh, it's so nice to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I know you have to go Me and tend. Too. I hope your dog is okay. Oh yes, um, yes. We've got a lot of animals. So how many we've animals got, do you have? We've got two dogs. We've got eight cats. We've got eight five cats. chickens. Well, one of our cats gave birth, and because we decided we wanted to keep all six of the kittens, we've wow. now got six kit- six kittens. But they're not tiny anymore. Wow. <laughs> they're, just, they're all over the place. That so, is a yes. lot of cats. Yes, it is a lot of cats. I've got three and it feels like a lot. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, I thought three would three would, three would, would have been fine for mm. us. But I, I, was, I was even thinking, you know, maybe we could stretch to four. But, of course, we're mad and we fell in love with all of them. Yeah. So that was it. It's hard to turn away a kitten. It, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And also, how do you split them up? The two of them were absolutely sure are twins. They're identical oh. and we think they might have been born in the same sack we're not oh, yeah, yeah. um and we're not we're not sure if that was the case but they were together and the others were all separate they were born overnight so we didn't see the birth but we oh. came down and they'd just been born um but we we just love them all and we couldn't oh. we couldn't we couldn't separate them from each yeah. other or well, us <laughs> i bet the kids love having all the animals around they it's, do yeah. it, it does a lot for our family um energy the feeling of like love and nurture our old uh, Mabel our four and a half year old now wants to be a vet and she's you know so but yeah so we we but we also have to deal with all the other things that come with this uh, having that many animals so yeah yeah Yeah, we're at the other end of the scale here my oldest cat he keeps getting handed into the vet because people see him on the streets and think he's think he's a stray that's dying oh god he just looks pretty terrible at the moment but he's still going he is I have to get him the vet suggested I get a collar 
that oh, says yeah. um, I'm unwell, but I felt like that was oh. a bit bit oh, disrespectful no. for yes. Kinnicky, so I'm just getting him one that says I've been microchipped, so that yes. people just know he has a home. Or, or I have a home, <laughs> yeah, even. Exactly, yeah. I'm loved, I live, I'm already I live around here. Yeah, yeah. Leave me alone, I'm local. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, I'm local. Yeah, we, we live around the corner from the vet, so... It's like literally like our house and the vet, there's just one road in the middle, like, just let him come home. <laughs> I have to keep oh, him picking yeah. him up from the vet. <laughs> just leave him be, for goodness sake. I know. <laughs> that was my chat with Laura, and we spoke about that shift in emphasis that can happen after you're a parent and where you find your joy. Or maybe it's just getting older. Yeah, I think it's actually probably more that. I think the things that brought me joy have always been the same. I think I'm just not probably better at admitting it now. I think um, today I found joy with Jesse. We just made, we've been making these little dioramas out of old boxes. And actually, I've always quite liked doing crafty things with the kids. I like how bossy they are and how they just assume there is always a way to get things done. Even if you're saying, I'm not sure how to do that. It kind of brings out the problem solver in me. Oh, that's sweet. As I'm talking to you, I see... Ray, who's nine, pretending to hit five-year-old Jesse on the head. That's great. What? Why is it that siblings don't get on with each other better? I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> and I had recorded another outro for you where I spoke about how excited I was to be going away for festivals. But we've had some dramatic developments around our house recently where a couple of the kids have tested positive for COVID. Uh, and... As I speak, they are not too ill. There's a couple of fevers and some sore tummies, but I, honestly, I think if we weren't living in these times, I don't know if I really would have thought much of it. But I've been, um, you know, trying to be prudent so that I do the right thing. And as soon as you see the little positive thing on the on the test strip, you're like, oh no. So yes, Richard and I and all our equipment and all the things we'd planned and all our crew and band, everybody had to step down. I had three festivals this weekend, two of them were headline shows, some stuff to do next week. All gone. But hey, I'm sure there'll be some little crafting activities that Jesse and I can get up to. And if, if that's as, uh, as bad as it gets, it's not too bad, I suppose. And actually, thinking it over, over the last 16 months, we've actually been able to do a lot of things without having to cancel them last minute. So mainly, there's reasons to be grateful. Um, and on that note, I will bid you adieu. I've got two people lined up for next week and I can only choose one because it's the end of the series. So, hmm, what do I go for? You will find out next week, but they're both brilliant. And then I've got a whole host of lovely people already signed up and ready to get on with the chats for the next series. Um, I can't believe we've got through another series already. What a lovely thing. Thanks as ever to my guests. Thanks as ever to you. And um, yeah, I, uh, I hope you're having a peaceful time of it wherever you are uh, in this summer holiday. It's quite a weird one, isn't it? It is. But hey, we're doing all right. All right. Lots and lots of love to you. Speak to you soon. See you soon.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.